Welcome to the Father Jim Willig Gospel Teachings Podcast, presented by Heart to Heart, a Catholic media ministry. Father Jim was a well-known and much-loved diocesan priest from Cincinnati, Ohio. Inspired by God's Word, for many years, Father Jim presented a weekly Bible study on the Sunday Gospels. In 2001, Father Jim went home to the Lord after a battle with cancer, but his recordings and teachings live on to inspire thousands. First, we hear from Father Jim's good friend, Jesuit priest, Father Michael Sparrow, who opens this podcast by proclaiming the gospel reading. Then, Father Jim's illuminating gospel teaching follows. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, In those days after that tribulation, The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches become tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Sometimes the readings seem a little depressing, don't they? This is one of those readings. It's always good news, but sometimes at first it doesn't feel so good, as someone said. This little passage from Mark's gospel is fitting considering the fact that it concerns the end of times. And we are coming, you might know, to the end of a liturgical year. Next week will be the last week for the Feast of Christ the King. And appropriately, we're ending our study of Mark's gospel for this liturgical year. And we take this passage from one of the last chapters that's even called the Little Apocalypse. You might know apocalypse means the end times. And it is Jesus' farewell address toward the end of his life about the eschatological or It's a big Greek word for end of times. And this type of apocryphal teaching, you may also be familiar with, it's taken from the book of Daniel, which would be our first reading Sunday. It's highly symbolic readings uh, talking about those end times. We also have this kind of apocryphal literature in the book of Revelation, which you would be more familiar with, I would guess. Again, It's speaking about 
the final days and it uses highly symbolic language never to be taken literally but rather understanding it in terms of actually the hard times the community is facing what we need to see is the background of this particular gospel remember mark is writing his gospel to the roman christian community that was undergoing great persecution and even execution so they felt that they were in the end of times insofar as their own lives were concerned and mark wrote this particular passage to give them hope so all of apocryphal literature is actually intended to bring hope to the people but it has to be translated to understand it as we see then mark will be drawing on this old testament imagery from the book of daniel and he begins by saying to his disciples during that period after trials now keep in mind they're going through severe trial mark then has jesus say the sun will be darkened the moon will not shed its light stars will fall out of the sky and the heavenly host will be shaken wow talk about dramatic effect as i mentioned this is symbolic today we might say that the stock market would be crashing i would tell the end of times for us it is interesting to reflect just briefly on the astronomy i know very little about astronomy i need to say that first but what little i know and have read is absolutely mind boggling take for instance as i researched what it would mean for this literally to happen where the sun is darkened i understand that our sun has approximately 5 billion more years it will probably exist that's a few years <laughs> 5 billion more years after which time these astronomers and scientists predict that it will expand so enormously it will just combust spontaneously and then burn out taking along all of its planets in this solar system along with planet earth and we would just dissolve that's only after the oceans would boil and the crust of the earth would just be incinerated but 5 billion more years to go i read too maybe you've seen in the news that there is another sun and star that the hubble telescope just recently discovered that is a million times brighter and bigger than our sun did you read that our sun in of our solar system sheds as much light and energy as that sun does in 5 seconds can you imagine so much brighter bigger stronger is its rays all of this cosmic reality is a dramatic demonstration of god who is so much bigger than all of us in fact i think to study astronomy would be a certain aspect of theology wouldn't you imagine how could one's mind not be just amazed at how great our creator is as the song goes how great thou art when i think of all the suns thou hast made 
So what Mark is communicating, obviously he doesn't have this in mind, but rather he sees that the whole universe as we once knew it will be changed. And these dramatic cosmic images speak rather dramatically of his community that feels like their world is caving in on them. Their world seems to be coming to an end. And now we could place ourselves in that situation. Who was that cartoon character that said, the sky is falling, the sky is falling? Chicken Little. There it is. There are some days when you may feel everything's falling in around you, right? There are some days when we feel our world, as we once knew it, is coming to an end. If forces greater than us are against us, and what do we do? This is the situation that Mark's describing, and we could find ourselves there in certain times in our life when we're in crisis or chaos. You know, that's the thing about God creates the cosmos out of chaos. That's what he did from the beginning of creation, when he ordered everything, and that's what he continues to do in his recreation of his people. So how can God bring it all into order? We're told, as Mark continues, then men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Again, this is high imagery. What Mark is saying is that imagine that God is in control over it all. No matter how bad things may seem to be in the world, no matter how dark times may get, God is in control. And he will come on clouds. On clouds is kind of a heavenly symbol of God over above, hovers over all of us. And he's in charge of the world and he's going to be in charge of our lives. And so we try to keep giving it over to God and trusting him. Remember the message underlying this whole gospel is to don't doubt, but have hope. Hold on to God. I'm reminded of another verse in the scriptures that I hold on to and gives me hope. And it is Paul's letter to the Romans. And the verse from chapter 8 it goes, We know that all things work for the good for those who love God. Chew on that one for a while. Because that will really feed you. We know that all things work for the good for those who love God. And that's a good one to say to yourself when someone else is in your face and working things not for so good. These scriptures, remember, are vitamins. The verses are vitamins. And we take them to remind ourselves of the hope we can always have. Now, we don't know how that will work out. And that's why it takes trust and faith. Faith is to have a conviction about things that we do not see. But Mark continues in this great heavenly vision. Jesus is speaking here that God will dispatch his messengers and assemble his chosen one from the four winds and from the father's bounds of the earth and sky. Jesus is assuring his disciples as they're facing what seems like the end for them. He's saying, don't worry about the world. I promise you a happy ending. Because God is in control, and God will save the best to last on that final day. 
when he will send out his messengers, presumably his angels, to all the corners of the world, speaking of the four winds, the four corners of the world, to save all God's people. And then Jesus proposes a parable, a very simple parable. He draws so many lessons, you know, from nature. We could even see the lesson as the leaves are falling and the season of autumn overtakes us. The fallen leaves represents our fallen nature that will need, like the leaves, to be brought to the earth. But we believe in the change of season that will transform these dead trees, bringing them back to life. If God does that year after year, season after season, will he not do that for us? And then Jesus speaks something of that same change of season when he says, when he points their attention to the fig tree. Look at the sap of its branches that runs high. And notice when it begins to sprout leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, Jesus says, you could read the signs of the times and you know that he is near. He is referring to himself when he comes in the second coming. Jesus promised to come. Now, interestingly, the, as he promised the first community, and you would think if Jesus promised to come back again, that would be soon. But obviously, Jesus hasn't come back yet. Or has he? The second coming of Christ is sometimes called the parousia. will truly be at the end of time. But there's this in-between time in which Christ does come to us under disguise. The disguise, of course, of his people, the disguise of the events of our lives, and in his word, which we will hear, will live forever. But part of what Jesus is saying, and he promises again, is that this generation will not pass away until these things take place. This generation he's referring to is the first generation of Christians who will witness the destruction of Jerusalem and its temple. And when they see that happening in 70 AD, at the very time this gospel is probably being written, that they're seeing a new era come about so that God is coming in a new way as the temple, which once was the main residence of God. That's where God resided and lived among humans that we believe or the Jewish people thought. So now... God's presence will be open wide. I remind us of that symbol when Jesus died on the cross. Remember the curtain in the temple was torn? That was the curtain that stood before the Holy of Holies, which was where God lived. And so we believe that in Jesus dying and going on, he sends his spirit that pervades now the whole earth. There's no divider. Jesus is with us always in everywhere. We're told then the heavens and the earth will pass away. The heavens is not the heaven as we know it, but they called the sky and all that was above overhead as the heavens. And Jesus is saying now, everything you see is temporal, is passing. So treat it as such, as passing value, but live for the eternal value. I'm reminded of an old rabbi story of this man came to visit the rabbi and in his apartment. He was shocked when he saw how sparsely furnished the rabbi's room was. And he asked about that. He said, Rabbi, it seems like you're only here for a short time. He says, absolutely. And may none of us ever forget it. We don't want to get too settled 
we want to realize we're here just in passing and that all things are changing. I think of the great philosopher Epiclides who once said, you can never stand in the same river twice because all things are evolving and developing. So it should be our life be. That's why we call ourselves pilgrim people. So don't get too settled. We're always being called onward. Then Jesus says in his most memorable line of the gospel, as to the exact day or hour, no one knows it, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Mark seems to be reminding his community that Jesus said this because they're all a little mystified by the fact that they expected Jesus to come by now, and he obviously had not. They're wondering, when is the end? When is Christ's second coming? When are we to expect this return? And they have to say, well, remember Jesus admitted he didn't even know the end of time. Now, this is interesting for two points for me. First, it admits to Jesus' own admission of his humanness. And if Jesus was truly human, although admittedly divine, we hold that in balance, we don't quite know, but we believe that he did not know everything. In a, in a human way of speaking, that at least here he admits he does not know everything about the world and when it will end. The other interesting fact is that if Jesus did not know the end of the world, nor, he says, not even the angels in heaven, then I want to know who are these wise guys that predict the end of the world. So I say that because we're probably here a lot of people predicting the end is near. And I'm reminded, yeah, well, they've been saying that since the beginning of the world, too. So far, everybody's been wrong. To share just a few things that I've been thinking about in terms of this gospel, as we come to the end, we're also here a number of prophets of doom. But remember, this gospel gives a prophetic message of hope. And if there's one thing we can always count on, Jesus would always speak a word of hope. Jesus would always give a message that is good news. And remember last week I asked the question, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? As an aside, I was sharing that with my parish this last week. I said, would you all ask this question with me? What would Jesus do? After Mass, one of the ushers was closing the door in church. It was sticking, and he looked at me and said, Father, you need to fix this front door. I said, I don't think so. I'm not much a mechanic, and it would be even worse. And he said, well, you just told us to ask, what would Jesus do? And Jesus was a carpenter, and he fixed this front door. What would Jesus say? Right now, I would have us ask ourselves that question. Given any situation or tension or problem we may be facing, what would Jesus say? We can always expect he would want to say something that would encourage us and that would guide us. But always Jesus was encouraging. And what he had to say was, always something that would build us up and be positive. Yes, corrective. Yes, challenging. But he would say it in such a way that would give us hope. And, and that's what we want to do. And our own Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, was, I believe, prophetic, leading us to this transition 
of the new millennium. And I suspect, as some historians have said, every 500 years or so, something major happens. Every 500 years or so. First 500 years, we saw close to that the fall of the Roman Empire, which was major transition in the world. And then the year 1000, we saw a major break in the East and the West, from which we still suffer, you know, establishing a new center in Constantinople or in Rome, developing two mainline churches, Orthodox and Catholic. And then in next 500 years, we saw the Protestant Reformation, complete splitting and dividing to different sects or denominations of Christianity, major ramifications throughout Europe and the world. Who's to say what the major event might be? But I think every so many years there are, what should I say, grand changes, especially in a world today that changes so fast, so much, we could almost expect this. But I like to think of it, you know, a lot of people would be prophets of doom about that. I would like to adopt a vision that our hope gives us as he is decidedly leading the church to set our sight on what this great year of Jubilee, very biblical concept, every 50 years, actually, the Jewish people were told to celebrate God's special blessing. That God would, in celebrating as we would any great anniversary, as a golden jubilee would be. And I was just thinking this past summer, you know, I celebrated my parents' 50 years of jubilee. And so this is what we're all being invited to do as God's family. And in that year of jubilee, we want to give thanks for God's many blessings. Part of which is to take time out to celebrate one of the things I've learned from when I visited Mexico, people who suffered greatly and lived in dire poverty, they celebrate more, quote, fiestas, fiesta feast, than we do here. And the odd thing I never understood is they will take their meager savings and spend it all. And I'm saying, oh, why are you doing that? Put it in your savings, save for a good day. But there were no, while we have it, let's celebrate it. Because we don't know if we have it tomorrow. Isn't that interesting? But it's, it's a celebration and just trusting God. I don't know how economically wise that is. But there's something there about trust and faith and, you know, that I think is of the, the line of this gospel. We don't know how long our life is. Celebrate it now in the best sense of what it means to celebrate life, which is not just the party, but to live it to the fullest. Amen. Thank you for listening to Father Jim's Gospel Teaching. We hope you have been inspired and will subscribe to this weekly podcast and share it with your family and friends. The mission of Heart to Heart is to proclaim the good news of God's Son, Jesus, to the entire world. For more inspirational teachings by Father Jim and Father Michael, visit our website, www.htoh.us. May God bless your heart and the hearts of all your loved ones.